You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma down at the Metro Library. It's the first time I've ever been in this building. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but pretty cool spot. Um, down here with Ethan Blagg. Thanks for your time today, mate. This is uh, I'm excited to dive into background story and heard a lot about you and from a lot of different people, and, and they all say great things. So, yeah, appreciate your time. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. Like I was saying before, I don't really have uh, too much of a structure for today, but um, we'll just roll with it. Yeah, I think I think it's best. Uh, so, tell. Tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself, where you grew up and, and kind of early years. Well, I was an adventurous young kid, uh, typical building stuff, playing with cardboard boxes and Legos and uh, digging holes and playing with dirt outside. Um, so I've always been um, on the creative side. So I scheming up ideas, getting people on board with my crazy ideas. Uh, building some crazy contraptions or go-karts and stuff like that. Um, so that's, I would say there are a few different types of people and a few different types of entrepreneurs because I'm an entrepreneur now. Mm-hmm. I think some are just born that way. It's in their blood and they can't do anything about it. I would say I'm one of those and I don't say I have to brag. I, I, I can't really run away from it. If I did try and run away, it would just follow me. So, um, Ever since I was little, I've always had some sort of racket going from lemonade stand to mowing yards to, um, you know, flipping deals with friends, trading different toys before I had money, Mm -hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. So it's only natural for me to just progress. Things get bigger and a little more advanced and into different stuff. Um, I think curiosity plays a big part of it, too, of just being curious about how things work, really trying to figure this out and how can I improve this or um, why did this happen and really digging down to find the truth of things. So I'm very curious. Um, But I grew up in Norman, Oklahoma and grew up with into a musical family. Okay. So my dad's a a full-time musician and because of that, we got to travel quite a bit. Yeah. So So he's pretty good then. Yeah. Okay. Made a living at it. Yeah. Um, What does he play? So he plays guitar, trumpet, he sings, writes songs. Um, he's produced quite a few records. Um, so that was a really interesting environment to grow up in, of just um, traveling all around the country, playing music, and getting to meet all kinds of different people. And, you know, as you grow up as a kid, you just expect that everyone's experience is like your own. Right. I never realized that how interesting I had it growing up until I got to college and just realizing that it's like, wow, I got to travel. You know, it's like vast majority of every state in the United States as a kid. You got to experience all these different things and you learn a lot because of that. Oh, yeah. Could street smart or common sense, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so I had an interesting upbringing, always traveling, always on the move. And, um, you know, because... I guess growing up in music, if you look at kids that grow up playing some sort of an instrument, mm-hmm. it does something to your brain. And I really, I don't know if it's a scientific fact, but I'd probably put money on it that they'll figure that out someday. Okay. And it kind of wires your brain to think 
differently of how does this thing connect with this thing to connect to this thing. Okay. Because um, you're, I'm a drummer, so you're right. playing drums and you have all these different limbs, your left hand's doing something different than your right hand. And uh, I really do think that it's good for children and parents having their kid learn something creative that requires them to multitask and right. to think differently. Um, so I'm very grateful and happy to have grown up yeah, in that environment. I, I, I would love to be able to learn how to play the drums and shred guitar, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't have that connection or that coordination. Like, you know, when they, you have that like rub your belly and tap your head thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. Um, that's really cool. So yeah, growing up, just having that connection to music and then, you know, just with your entrepreneurial mind, having that connection to how does this affect this and how can I work towards, I guess, something that, you know, you're working towards. Yeah. And I've had a similar vision or a sense of direction since I was maybe seven or eight years old. Yeah. And, you know, some kids, you'll ask them what they want to be when they grow up. They want to be, you know, a fireman or right. I want to be an engineer or whatever. It's like, well, I want to build this gigantic empire of a business and go build rockets and go to Mars type stuff. So yeah. I, was, I was always a little bit odd. I still am pretty weird and I just embrace it. Um, but it's, the vision hasn't necessarily changed. It's kind of become more clear and the path to getting there has become more clear. So pretty much everything I've done to date is kind of pointed in that similar direction. Yeah. Um, Which is very rare. It is. You know, like it's, it's not many people that would say at the age of five, six, seven, you know, oh, I want to be an astronaut or oh, I want to be, like I said, a fireman or today's world, I want to be a YouTuber. Um, and then, you know, 15, 18 years later, they're still doing that. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty awesome to just continually have that vision and that end goal from a young age to be like this and still be working at it. Cause a mm -hmm. lot of people would be like, Oh no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to give up. Yeah. I think part of it is, you know, those kids might've really wanted to do that, but a part of it is the, the system that they grew up in there. You have to fight very, very hard to keep your inner child alive. Mm -hmm. And that's, sad but true um so i think that one of the reasons where i'm at now and what i'm doing is because i haven't let my little kid yeah. inside die i'm still like eight years old on the inside right um so a little more of my storyline i guess you could call it um i got to high school i went to high school in edmond my family moved up there i guess in 2010 Mm -hmm. And I went to Crossings Christian School and the Francis Tuttle Votech for engineering in okay. high school. It's nerd school. It was yeah, awesome. it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there I learned a few very important lessons, not necessarily the specific classes. Like um, I never was insanely talented at mathematics or physics, but I was decent. You know, I was at like a smart kid school and I could yeah. roughly keep up with the pack. But I learned that I am neither an extremely talented engineer and I'm neither an extremely talented business person. Gotcha. But I sit somewhere in between. So I was able to understand nerd language and business language and translate the two. Yeah. And I realized that usually those engineers don't have a sense of vision or so sometimes common sense. Um, so I was able to work with engineers very well to point them in the right direction and give them a sense of 
uh, vision that we can achieve this big thing. Um, so that was a very important lesson for me to learn. Yeah. It let me know that I'm not supposed to be uh, an engineer and go work in an engineering firm. That wouldn't have worked very well. Right. Um, and another lesson I learned there is the process of learning, which is a very important thing to, to learn right. is how to learn. And a lot of schools sadly don't teach you that. They just teach you to memorize this and regurgitate it for a test. But at that school, they really um, pushed you to be curious and ask questions and yeah. really dig to find the truth of something. So more about the process. Exactly. Um, and I would say the last lesson that has really impacted me from that school is the process of innovation. So in the senior year at that school, they have a class. It's called Engineering Design and Development. Mm -hmm. And you have to go out in the world and find a problem that means something to you. And you have to invent a solution to solve that problem. Okay. And at the time, I was playing football, and I had received five major concussions from playing football. It's nice. not very fun. I don't recommend <laughs> Mom was it. real happy with that, yes, I'm sure. Yes. Um, so I was like, wow, you know, concussions, they, these really suck. What can yeah. I do to, to reduce these? You can't ever end them for all, but you can help reduce them. So I worked with an extremely talented team for a year at this class, and we developed a better football helmet, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, it was an incredibly impactful experience, and through that, I learned that there's kind of a three-step process to innovation. And the first step is, I kind of call it exploring, tinker, tinkering, and creating, right? You're just trying mm -hmm. to figure out what is this idea. The next step is validating that idea. Is it commercially viable? Is it achievable? Can you actually make this happen? Yeah. And is it actually a solution that people would want? So a lot of entrepreneurs will get caught in the trap of, they create this thing, they're super passionate about it, they put it out in the world and nobody wants to use yeah. it because it's not useful. It's useless. You know? yeah. yeah, so you have to make sure it's useful. And the next step, of course, is launching that onto the world, scaling it, refining it, evolving it. Um, and that, just that simple three-step process has been crucial in just everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. I've kind of applied that in many different areas. Um, so Francis Tuttle, shout out to them. Yeah. They're amazing. Um, if you have a kid that wants to go there or, or seems a little above normal in the, the STEM area, science, technology, right. engineering, mathematics, uh, excellent school, and I got great value from it. Um, what happened to that helmet? I ended up getting a patent on the helmet, which is amazing. Yeah. Like, a, I think I got that at 18 years old. And we're actually still working on it. So we've been oh, working on um, a couple deals with some companies. I can't talk too much about it now. Yeah. But um, there's quite a bit of uses, not just in football, but in sports in general. Right. And athletics in general, there's quite a bit of uses for that. Yeah. Overall, compared to a standard high school football helmet, our test shown that it was 70% better at reducing impact compared to regular high school. Huh? That's insane. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And then as long as you can figure out to bring like the cost down similar mm -hmm. or even cheaper, then you should have a winning product. But exactly. so you had all that going on. And like I said, it's great to still have that going on now after you've, you know, been out of school and all that stuff. What else was going on kind of when you were in, you know, in high school and stuff like that? What was yes. the, what, what years were you in high school for? So I graduated in 2015. Okay. Um, 
And I know you and I the other day were talking about social media a little bit. I right. told you a little bit of my story. So just a quick recap of that. Um, Instagram came out maybe like 2009, 2010, I think. Mm-hmm. And of course, as a, a techie, I'm always like looking at the new apps, the new tech, whatever. And I was experimenting with Instagram. I really liked Instagram because it was very visual and I'm a very visual person. I could share my ideas very well with people. Right. Um, so I saw this Instagram page. I was just cruising around and it was called Jeep Addiction. Mm-hmm. It was all about Jeeps. I didn't even own a Jeep. I was like, oh, this is a cool page. Yeah. And he seems to have a cool community. I wonder if I could do something like this. Right. And every guy has always gone down and looked at like a carpet. And well, I say every guy. Most guys have looked at car pages that like that and been just scrolled through, even if they don't have cars. They're yeah. like, they just love it, don't they? It. There's just something about it. Yeah. Um, so I started this page called Jeep Craze okay. in 2010. And it was some luck, some skill i guess i had a knack for it um i got connected with some really incredible people that helped me out substantially but that page ended up growing from zero to a hundred thousand followers in about six months in 2010 which is bonkers. And, yeah and you know at the time it's this new app and nobody really knows what it is or what to do with it um so in hindsight it's like wow it's pretty incredible but at the time you know i was in high school i was like yeah this is kind of cool, cool like yeah. whatever um, and it didn't mean too much in, to me until I started getting approached by businesses. Like, hey, we want to pay you money to post this picture on your page to promote our business. I was like, so you're going to pay me money. I'm going to post the picture. I was like, sure. Yeah, yeah that sounds, sounds awesome. That sounds like, great. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and I just got my entrepreneur wheels turning. I was like, wow, like this, this might could actually be a, a business. I could do something with this. Yeah. Um, so I really started focusing on building the brand and the community I started selling t-shirts and stickers and hats and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all at the time I told you the funny story that I had a illegally had a PayPal account yeah. at the time cause I wasn't 18 <laughs> I had to be 18 to have a PayPal. So I was running all of this through like an yeah. illegally gotten PayPal account that eventually got suspended and yeah. got in a little bit of trouble. But, um, yeah, was, that was but a did, crazy experience. I mean, did you know at the time though? That it was um, like, I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't have a PayPal. You know, it's it's just like everything, ever, like you read the, yeah. the list, like you have to be 18 or whatever, and everybody's like, like whatever, it doesn't right. really matter. Yeah. And I didn't really think anything of it until they reached out. So I knew, but not really. Right. Um, yeah, so that was, that was a rude awakening. And I eventually sold that Instagram account. I got an offer that was too good to be true. Yeah. And after that happened, I was like, well, now what? It's like... What do I do now? How old are you at that point? I would have been be like 16 or 17 okay. years old. Yeah. Um, so like, wow, I, was, I had these skills that I developed. So I just started building more pages. And I was like, well, I could just build them, sell them, flip them. Yeah. It's kind of like real estate, you know, like you can build a house, you can be a developer yeah. or you can buy rental properties, whatever. So I did that for a while. And I think I just kind of burned myself out. And I got into college, I guess, in 2015, 2016. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to keep doing this. It takes a lot of time. I'm in school. Um, so I sold most of my pages. And I was really wanting to start a different business, like a real business, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I kind of started experimenting with some ideas. And at the time, this is when... Um, 
Ty Lopez started to become a thing. Oh, yeah. And he's preaching, it's like, social media marketing agency. This is my blah, blah, garage or whatever. Like, Look yeah, at my cars. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's like when that first started to really pop off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, I could, I already have these skills. I have a leg up on everybody else. I've been right. doing this since 2010. So I started consulting businesses, just like walked out and mm-hmm. knocked on doors. Like, hey, he's like, you know, yeah. I got these skills. I might be able to help you out. I think my first paying client was a triad fitness supplement nutrition they're okay. from edmund excellent yeah. company um i've been working with them since gosh it'd be like 2017 maybe yeah. like two years and it's just been really cool to see them grow and be able to help them uh, for that long a time um but that really i guess kind of started my real business experience like actually having to work with companies and invoices and taxes and all that stuff and it's kind of the equivalent of like jumping off of a cliff and hoping you grow wings on the way down you know yeah i just had to figure it out on the fly and i realized um a lot of the things that i'm not good at stuff that i shouldn't be doing uh, because you try and do everything yourself and at that point i was doing everything myself it's just a solo operation and i realized pretty quickly that you can move very fast by yourself, but if you want to go far and do big things, you have to have people. Right. And uh, that was a pretty profound discovery, I guess you could call it. Um, so I started building out a team of people, mm-hmm. people I thought um, if we added like two plus two, it could equal six. Right. It's like the alloy effect. You add mm-hmm. two people together and, and the output is disproportionate. Um, and that's very true with people in different industries and whatever. So built out an interesting team. We did some content production, marketing and advertising Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, uh, as I'm sure, you know, there's different chapters to life. So we did that probably solid for about maybe like two, two and a half years. Were you still in college when you were doing this? Oh, I forgot to tell that story. (laughs) Um, Are these college buddies? Yes. So I met all these people in college. Yeah. And going into college, I knew that I didn't want to get a degree. I didn't really care. Okay. And I didn't really tell anybody this at the time. Yeah. My little strategy or whatever. Was mom and dad like, hey, you know, just go to college? Were they kind of like pushing you to go to college? Yeah, they pushed me to go to college. Yeah. Um, My family... I guess they more encouraged me to go. It wasn't right. like you have to go. More of like the enjoyment um, of being there for four years yeah. and go and, and enjoy they, yourself. They just, like any parent, they love you. They want you to right. succeed. They want the best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I went to college. I had some scholarships and most of my things were paid for. And I was thinking, I was like, man, it's like a great opportunity to, yeah. to test out all these different ideas. Right. I don't have to worry about paying rent or food. And there's all these kind of people that I can meet with. We can yeah. try out all kinds of different ideas. Um, so that's what I did really the first, I went through two years of school at OSU for marketing. Okay. And the school system, higher education, college, I do think it serves a purpose for certain types of people in certain industries. It's like if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer where you have to have a, a degree and it's very hard sciences that don't change too often, I think it can really help. But I was in college going to school for marketing and I really didn't learn too much. It's like, I, you know, I, yeah. I know this or I could go watch a couple of YouTube videos and learn this quicker and faster and not have to pay yeah. all this tuition. Um, so I, 
I really didn't go for the learning, but I went for the networking to meet the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up dropping out after two years. I went through two years of school. Yeah. And uh, haven't looked back since. Yeah. Proud college dropout. Um, and after that, it's, I thought it would be a, a weirder experience, like being a college dropout, but I've always seemed to connect better with people that are a little bit older than me. Yeah. And I kind of feel weird around people that are my age. I'm like, right. wow, like this is what I'm supposed to be like. Like, yeah. I don't really fit in here at all. So I've just kind of ever since then been in my lane, just doing my thing, mm-hmm. parching to the beat of my own drum. Um, and I wouldn't trade that for the whole, I don't think I'd do it over again. If right. I'm back. Exactly well, what, well, how did you kind of sell, uh, dropping out of school to mom and dad? It really helped that I had a plan. Yeah. You know, and I was, I actually already had something going. So I don't think it would have gone over well if I said I don't like school on a drop and play video <laughs> games. You know, that wouldn't work out too well. Yeah, I'm going to be the it, next ninja. Yeah, it did really help that I had like a an actual plan and things were moving already. Um, I did get a little bit of friction, you know, a little bit of pushback, mm-hmm. but I was, I didn't tell them anything until I was really sure of myself. Like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I think if I would have phrased it as a question, like, do you think it's okay if I drop out? It probably would have been like a hard (laughs) no, but I said like, I'm dropping out. This is what I'm doing. This is my plan. And it's like, I'd really appreciate if you guys support me, but if not, I'm just going to go do my own thing. Yeah. You played on that parental support and been like, Hey, I already have a plan here. You know, like positioning us like if you love me like this is if really you love me <laughs> this, this, is, this is really what i want to be doing yeah. this is the route that i'm going and and i'd appreciate your support yeah um yeah so they've been they've been great they've really embraced it they've helped out substantially and right and um having a family that supports you make it it's so much easier yeah so you drop out you already have your team set up and you're already working with them and going and doing marketing for companies and reaching out and just, I guess, building a marketing company, right? Is that kind of what it was at the time? That's kind of what happened. It's so strange how you can just, like something just ends up in your lap or you just end up, it's like, wow, how did I get here? Like we ended up building like a marketing agency that was scaling pretty quickly. And I was like, man, it's like, I didn't ever really set out to build a marketing agency, but this is really interesting. And that, in hindsight, that served a great purpose that I, I didn't really set out to get these particular things from. And what I got from it was learning how to market, how to brand, actually how to do the stuff. Yeah. And that has been extremely important and will be extremely important to this big mm-hmm. goal, this big thing that I'm out to do. Um, so it's more, I think, out of pursuit of education and wanting to learn this skill and I can mm-hmm. get paid for it and help people out in the process, like that's excellent. Yeah. Um, so that marketing agency has shifted and evolved and now kind of the whole team has their own thing going. So we all kind of found our different lanes, as you might say. We don't necessarily have to collaborate all the time. Yeah. So it's it's not as much of an agency anymore. It's just a group of friends that do their own thing and will collaborate on projects here and there. Right. Which has been great because it'll take some of the pressure off me of not having to kind of pull everybody together. Yeah. It allows me the freedom and creativity to just go out and try new things um, and experiment and test yeah. out things, which really that's been the last six months or so has been um 
testing and experimenting, seeing what opportunities are out there. Yeah. And it's been really exciting. I'm sure it has. You know, kind of just hanging out with a couple of friends that you, you know, people that you've met that I'm sure you call friends and getting mm-hmm. to work on projects with them and then getting to see, you know, the reaction of the people that you're working for. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you're adding value and you're making a significant difference to their business. And especially with the, like I said, if you, if you resonate with older people, then you know, some of the clients that you have are going to be older. They're not going to be as tech savvy and they see this huge difference in their sales or whatever it is just because of a few, you know, little tweaks or things that you guys have done. Then, mm-hmm. then it just creates more value. Has there been any, uh, I don't know, I guess what would be one of the biggest breakthroughs you guys had as a team? One thing that really helped, I don't know if it's necessarily the biggest breakthrough, mm-hmm. But really digging in and learning each other's personality and how they play into the team and what role they play, um, that was an extremely beneficial process of going through like different personality tests, like the Myers-Briggs test is excellent and the DISC profile test, those are all great. That really helped me. Um, I'm... I wouldn't necessarily call myself an extremely talented people person. I can mm-hmm. get by and, and communicate decently, but knowing um, I guess the qualities, the properties of people, like in a very scientific way, yeah. has really, really helped. Um, other breakthroughs, learned really quickly that how crucial client expectations are and managing those properly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about the expectations and the perception, I guess, that you get people, the experience that you right. get people is extremely important to manage. Um, and sometimes people aren't always out for the company that gets the best results, but the people that are most consistent. Because there might be people that can knock something out of the park once, but they can never do it again. Yeah. So most people would rather have something that's just consistent, right? Um, I think that was a pretty important breakthrough. And... Um, all those experiences, those learning lessons, like lots and lots of failures happened really, really quickly, had lots of ups and downs, twists and turns, great adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's really primed me to step into the stuff that I'm doing now with a little more confidence. Yeah. And I've learned and grown so quickly. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, best way to do it is just to go do it, right. figure it out along the way. Um, so I'm sure you know, you just Oh, yeah, you're starting kinda, a podcast like well we're gonna figure this out yeah exactly that's kind of how it was and i guess for you with you know everyone you've probably dealt with that you've technically done work for has been older yeah right yeah. like and then setting that expectation up front so that they don't expect something like something if you're talking to them about something they're completely unfamiliar with mm-hmm. and then if you don't do a good enough job up front of setting that expect expectation they can get ugly really fast it can you know i don't know if it's because of just me as a person but i find it really useful to use analogies mm-hmm. especially with um an older crowd like what can i relate this to yeah. like what can i anchor this to that they understand yeah and i think that was one of um like the easiest way to communicate exactly what we're doing finding things that are similar right yeah. Um, so the expectations. So you've gone from, like I said, you still you still doing that marketing thing every now and then? Or is it just back burner kind of? Yeah, it's. Um, I've I've worked it into, I guess, a bigger container. So it's not okay. Um, 
the container is helping to increase organizations capacity for technology and mm -hmm. innovation so how can i come in and not just tell you what to do or give you advice yeah but what types of frameworks can i give you what types of processes can i give you that are is that ultimately that's much more valuable to people right um and there's many different forms of consulting some are more of an advisor role and say go do this that has its place yeah that's really valuable um but if you can come in and help grow a company's capacity their total output that mm -hmm. has a much greater impact so i do that with social media with technology and really the one that i think i enjoy the most is helping to helping companies become more innovative help them pioneer give them the processes right. like that three-step process that i told you uh -huh. that's kind of like the core fundamental that i'll give them okay so that was super high level but actually how does that get implemented with a team and people and right. how can you transform a relatively um i wouldn't say mediocre but kind of they're at cruising altitude right and if you if you stay at cruising altitude in business, if you're not innovating, if you're not pioneering and moving forward, ultimately your ships yeah. start going down. Yeah. So it's absolutely crucial to, to innovate and pioneer. So to do that, you can either outsource that, which usually doesn't work too well, or you can build out those inner processes and, and make it happen yourself. Yeah, it's, it's like you building or giving them this machine and instead of just saying, this is how you do it, go do it, because they could take that one of million mm -hmm. ways and not work out. And then they blame you because you say, oh, well, you told me to do it like that. Yeah, I'm sure you might have come across that as a nightmare when that happens. But if you can come in and say, hey, I have this machine, this is how you do it, I'll show you how to do it and work with you, even though it might be a little bit more expensive, it's going to pay off much better in the long run. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it's much easier to sell that value yeah it's kind of like uh, you know imagine your business is a giant cruise ship right it's mm -hmm. like out at sea and i just kind of come up with my box of parts that they order and i, I work with them to install the new parts yeah. right you add or if it was a car analogy i know you're a car guy i bring like the turbocharger and all the the piping and stuff yeah and we sit on the driveway and i'll wrench it and put it all together Right. Uh, as a group, as a team. And then you have those new capabilities. So after mm -hmm. I leave, you're still going to have the turbocharger and you're going to know how to work it and how to use on yeah. it. So. Yeah. So what, 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 um, where are we at now? Tell me about what you've been up to now and the Tony Stark style Wayne Enterprises yeah. seven-year-old dream that you had that's still going. So the dream... And it really did start. I don't know exactly where it came from. It just kind of popped up one day and hasn't left. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been super inspired by those comic book tech companies uh, that that are kind of responsible for the pioneering of like a city or a nation. So you have like Wayne Enterprises, and they're like the go-to place for the innovations and pioneering of Gotham City, right? Yeah. They're the ones that are helping to advance that whole entire civilization. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what planted the seed and it's just grown. So how can I build a company that's responsible? It's almost like an act of service of pioneering on behalf of humanity. How can we help right. advance all of civilization? Not necessarily like a selfish way, but um, it really is 
business and providing services and things to people is an act of service. Mm-hmm. So how can I get all these ridiculously talented people together? How can I crowd them? And how can I translate the nerd language to the business world and bridge that gap? Yeah. And how can I get, it's kind of like herding cats, you know, how can I get all these super talented people moving in the same direction? Right. And um, something I realized is there's all these talented people and a lot of them are focused on just solving super meaningless problems. Like you can solve all kinds of problems, but yeah. um, you know, people creating like, uh, there's like a billion and a half like dating apps these days. Like, right. It's like, what happened to like the Thomas Edison or Nikola Tesla type innovations? Like, how can we like create a whole entire new industry? Like how can we create lighting for a whole entire world? You right. Know? Like those super big problems. Like what happened to that? Mm-hmm. There's some of it happening, you know, with, Elon Musk and Tesla and SpaceX, like yeah. those are some big problems. That's that's really cool and inspiring. And but you don't have a hundred people like Elon Musk, like no. you might have had back in the day that were like Thomas Edison. Yeah, so I think it ultimately comes down to um, leverage. You know, there's people who can mm-hmm. operate at a like ten out of ten capacity, but not everybody's at ten out of ten all the time. So there's the Six out of ten, mm-hmm. seven out of ten. You need those people. Yeah. But you have to have that one ten out of ten person to point them in the right direction. Right. And to know where to go and what potholes to avoid. Um, so I'm not saying I'm a ten out of ten, but I've also been able to work with those engineers and point them in the right direction. Right. Yeah. So I don't think if you had a world with like hundreds and hundreds of Elons, there probably wouldn't be a lot of stuff that gets done. Yeah. You know, Cause you have to have those, the go getters, the hard workers, right. the engineers, all that. Um, so that is what I am building is an organization that's in charge of advancing civilization. Um, the trailblazers, the pioneers, and I guess the easiest type of business to start is a service-based business. Uh-huh. So rather than, you know, providing products or innovations to other people at scale, Mm -hmm. um, I'm helping those companies that I really believe in and helping them innovate. um, Right. So that in turn, it's kind of like, I guess, a form of self-funding, right? So how can we provide these services that we can eventually translate into? Yeah. Well, just build that relationship over time. And then, you know, when you call on them, it's like, hey, like, they know that you can do solid work, then they'll trust you more by yep. putting something back into you kind of thing. Building reputation and right. network and a brand, providing services to others. Mm-hmm. Eventually we'll be at a point where we can start putting out our own products and innovations and software, yeah. whatever. Um, so that's the game plan. That's what right. I'm working towards. That's awesome. Building so you'll something have, big. It's called Brecker. Have, yeah. Tell me about it. So what's, what's Brecker mean? Brecker comes from a Dutch word called Bondbreaker, okay. and it means pathbreaker in English. Okay. Um, How do you spell it? B-A-A-N-B-R-E-K-E-R. Okay. So it's Brecker. Um, so I, I chose Brecker just because it was shorter. Bondbreaker is really long. It's like, yeah. how do you, you know, everybody asks how do you spell it. Um, you know, I was trying to come up with like a, a name for this business or this idea that I had. It took me forever, probably way too long. But I was up at like two o'clock in the morning one night searching, Googling for ideas. And I was looking for every angle possible. And I was like, hmm, I have a little bit of Dutch blood in me. Yeah. The Dutch people are kind of cool. So I just Googled like, what are some cool Dutch words? And Bonbrecker popped up. It's like, oh, it's perfect. I'm gonna perfect. run with it. Um, so yeah, it's, 
It's excellent. It's also super inspired by the Dutch East India Trading Company. Okay. It's one of the biggest companies in history. So like they're even they bigger talk than about Apple. that in like Jack Sparrow, right? What's his face? Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean talk yeah, yeah, yeah. about the East India Trading Company. That's, that was like the bad evil. Right. Or, yeah. They okay. were somewhat evil. I, I don't know. They had their own private army. Yeah. That they colonized. Um, yeah, it's super interesting to study like those old companies that everybody forgets about. Right. Like there was a company like a few hundred years ago, the Dutch East India, that's bigger than Apple. Okay. I just let that sink it's in. It's insane. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And you think, how have they done that with no technology? They, compared to what we have yeah so an interesting thing about them i don't know how much time we have left you can cut me off whenever oh no we got we're good um they were the first company to go public they had a public stock offering okay so that was one of the reasons why they were so big they had the capital yeah they're in private armies and ships and stuff like that that's so cool um so i've been inspired it's kind of like a snowball effect, you know, like you have this little tiny seed that gets planted and then you start thinking and dreaming and right. go through high school and you're in boring math class and you just start daydreaming about it all day long. Um, so it's really evolved into like, how can we build like a, a massive empire that's always pioneering and exploring just for exploration's sake? Mm-hmm. Like, how can we take the pressure of business out of it like that'll be i'm just trying to think of like all the innovations that would happen because of that yeah if we were able to hire these extremely talented engineers and say go like go and do what you do yeah, just go, go, go do fun. what you do best yeah and i know that just letting me free and doing that is going to yield in like some ridiculously awesome innovations right that will bring an roi and will work for business because you do have to make money, just you can't pull yeah. money out of nowhere. Yeah, as a um, cre- as a creative, like giving giving a creative, you know, just said roam roam free and mm-hmm. like do what you do and kind of see what you come out with. Something good's gonna come from that. Yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah. Um. So it's you, know, you read like all kinds of sci-fi books and um, history books, whatever. There's always uh, people are drawn to that sense of adventure right venturing out into the unknown and pioneering and exploring um i use the word pioneering a lot and i really love the word pioneering it's a very dense word because it implies that you're not only exploring Mm -hmm. you're kind of going out into the unknown but you're also establishing a way for others along along that path right so it's a really interesting word so um i think pioneering that word fits what we're doing and what i we'll be doing in the future the yeah. best and just exploring testing out new ideas and establishing a way for others to follow suit so i guess living uh elon musk is like the hero right now that's living yeah compared to everybody else yeah like he is your like north star yeah he's i really do think he's one of the most important people alive right now mm-hmm. because he's one of the few people that's thinking mega long term right not just like how can we solve today's problems or tomorrow's problems? But what's going to happen in like 200 years? When he if dies. We do this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos is also another, he's absolutely incredible. Um, there's a few people out there that are doing some really big things and have always been super inspired by those people. Um, but I don't necessarily try to model myself after those people if that makes sense I could learn lessons mm-hmm. from them but I think 
there's a quote, I'm totally going to butcher it, but the gist of the quote is um, not to steer your ship by the lights of other ships, but to look to the stars and to navigate that way. So, of course, the stars, the other ships, or other businesses, other people, but it's figure out what your dream is and where you actually want to go and just go make it happen. Um, And also realizing, and you might have realized this too, that almost everybody's just making stuff up as they go. Oh, fact. Yeah. And that, when I first realized that, it kind of scared me. I was like, wow, (laughs) I was like, I've literally just been making this stuff up as I go. Yeah. And your first, you're always comparing yourselves to other people. Usually it's your first reaction. Like, man, they must have like a solid plan. They must have their stuff together. And they're all figuring it yeah, out. But too. Like the more businesses I work with, I'm just like, man, everybody's just making this stuff up. Yeah. So then I was like, wow, I was like, I'm pretty good at making stuff up. I was like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a very helpful revelation for me. It's just, it's just everybody's making yeah. stuff up as they go. Yeah. Cause, cause if you can like, and a lot, I'm sure a lot of people do this and I'm sure I, I've definitely done it in the past. You know, you, you look at someone and you try and like emulate them or you try and think, well, they, they look like they have it all together and they're making all this money and they're making this huge impact mm-hmm. and helping all these people. And then you finally get to meet them or you hear them speak and they talk about like all the struggles that they've had and how that their lives just the same as yours is just that they're basically figuring other things out and adding more value, mm-hmm. but it's still chaotic. And it's, yeah. you know, it's not like they're, you know, the whole like mailbox money thing, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I'd love to have mailbox money and own, you know, a bunch of rental houses or, or real estate or whatever it is. It's not true. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's hard work, if not harder. And you just more money, more problems. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like it's, it's just finding out how to add value. A lesson that I've learned recently, and it was actually relatively difficult to really accept was the concept of leverage that, you know, I mentioned, I think earlier when you first walked in that um, you can be extremely busy and be running around all the time every single day, have tons of meetings and not get anything done. Right. Right. Because everybody has 24 hours in a day. Warren Buffett has 24 hours in a day. Elon Musk has 24 hours in a day. Uh-huh. Elon's building a rocket company a car company digging holes in the road digging holes (laughs) and also like building AI company like he only has the same amount of hours like so what is he doing different than what we're doing or what I'm doing you know Um, and it ultimately comes down to leverage and being effective not necessarily busy so you could be running like a billion dollar company and work 40 hours a week you know maybe if you were really efficient and effective Um, so that concept of working hard in only the right places has been something I've really had to work on. It's like, mm-hmm. like you have to work hard for, you have to earn it. You have to, you know, grind, you have to hustle, yeah. like whatever. And if you look at what like the top performers in the world do, they're actually relatively lazy sometimes. Like they work very, very smart and efficiently only yeah. in the right places where they have leverage. Right. And there's different types of leverage. There's some that people are, used to which is I guess the first form and the oldest is people leverage and that's having other people working for you not having mm-hmm. to trade your time for dollars and whenever I've actually found this to be true whenever people ask you how your business is going one of the first questions they ask is oh like how many people do you have working for you yeah and that's a very um, 
I think that's kind of ingrained into people because that's how they judge how much leverage you have, like how things are going. Right. Um, the ones that people aren't as used to because they're a little more intangible is financial leverage. So you're in real estate, you know, you can leverage yeah. your finances, buying a house, using mortgage, using debt, whatever, mm-hmm. um, leveraging a financial machine to make you money. And now when some people feel a little bit awkward with because it's not tangible, right? Like, how's this person get all this money, but he's not working hard? He's not yeah. grinding. He's not hustling, whatever, because his money's making you, you yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last form of leverage, which is the newest and very interesting, is technology. And we're actually employing some leverage right now mm-hmm. is we're putting in, like, what, an hour, hour and a half of work? Yeah. And we're going to reach, like, a few thousand people. Right. Like, there's no way that we could, in an hour and a half of work, reach 3,000 people if we were just walking on the street right. and have a meaningful conversation. Yeah. This is leverage. Yeah. Um, software is leverage. Being able to reproduce a product at no marginal cost, like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like you have a product that you can't sell out and you can just like sell copies like over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And you don't have like cost of goods. That's incredible. Um, and highly profitable too. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's where a lot of the current wealth is being generated is in technology. Then you combine all three of those leverage. You have financial people and technology. Yeah. You like move the world. You know, right. It's incredible. Um, so those are some lessons that I've been trying to embrace internally, kind of make them second nature. Yeah. How, uh, you know, you mentioned that it's, you find yourself around older people all the time and, and I can definitely sense that by just the way you carry yourself, the way you speak. What is it like when like, your other friends or your old high school friends see you now? Like, do they like, who are you? Is that, do they react really weird? Um, so I had a very interesting high school experience. I had the experience of being the nerd. Uh-huh. And I also had the experience of being like the jock, the really popular person. So I'll explain that. So at Francis Tuttle in the mornings, I went there a half day. Yeah. And there I didn't necessarily fit in with the nerds. I played football. You know, I had some social skills comparably right. to an engineer who didn't talk to anybody usually. Uh, so I was relatively well known and somewhat popular. I don't know if I was the popularest kid there, but um, then in the afternoon I'd go over to Crossings and I was like the super quiet, like nerdy, really reserved. Didn't really talk yeah. to many people. and didn't really fit in. So it's. It depends on which crowd I'm going back to. Right. So if I'm going back to like the high school crowd, they're like, wow, I think you're doing like all these big things and whatever. And like, I remember like back in high school, you're like always working on that social media page and now it's actually paying off. Right. So that one's kind of fun because like, huh, like stick a tool and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I really enjoy going back to Francis Tuttle and getting to hang out with the fellow nerds and talk about like, oh, you're working at Boeing, you're working on Lockheed Martin, like, oh, that's really cool You guys stuff. are crushing it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've had a policy, and I say this like I'm not a nerd, but um, I always try and be intentionally nice to the nerds Yeah. because I know that those are the people that... Going to run the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, definitely. It's... And I, I, like, growing up, I was never really good at... I mean, I was good at golf, Uh Education, I was just like, yeah, I just got by, you know, I wasn't amazing at it, I didn't suck. Um, but like, I just golf was kind of like my outlet and kind of what got me going and just gave me pretty much everything I have in life now. Uh, and I was seen as kind of like the nerd who played golf. Like, mm-hmm. if you're, you're a golf nerd, you know, I always had the jokes of, oh, is golf's only for old men or whatever it is. And 
whatever, you know, deal with all that, play golf all mm-hmm. weekend. And I never really went out during high school, never really had kind of a high school, like in your normal high school that you would yeah. have, right? I never really socialized much. I just played golf. Um, and then, you know, you, you come to the States to play golf and they're like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, now obviously I live in the States. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, and then all my old, like all the old, the jocks and stuff who would always give me crap for playing golf. They're all like almost in their 30s now and they all play golf. Mm-hmm. So that's, I totally, you know, I can totally see that. It's so funny to just have that similarity with, you know, me being like a complete golf nerd. Uh, yeah. And you kind of having that as well. But go back to the, um, we'll have a little bit of a, for our listeners here, we'll have a little bit of practical work for them. So if they're listening, social media is massive, right? Everyone loves social media. Everyone's always on their phone. They're always on some form of social media. Um, you know, it's so much easier now to make money on social media as well. Whereas you're, you know, you're buying and selling things on eBay or you're flipping things on Facebook marketplace Mm -hmm. or like, you know, what we have done is, you know, build social media pages and have people give you ad money, whatever it is. Like everyone's dream is to make money from playing on their phone. Mm -hmm. Um, or more people's dream is to make money from playing on their phone. What would you say is like your, I don't know, top five tips or just kind of some practical tips that people can use to grow on, you know, grow a page on Instagram or or Facebook or whatever it is? Well, first step is throw perfection out the window because if you're waiting for something to be perfect, it's never going to happen and you're never going to start. So throw perfection out the window and just start. Mm-hmm. And just know that it's not going to look great. It's going to be absolutely terrible. Your content's going to suck. And it's probably going to be that way for a few months until you get the groove. Mm-hmm. But perfection comes through iterations. The more times you do it, the better you get. Um, so my first tip would be throw perfection out the window and start. Um, and know that it's going to take a ridiculous amount of content that you're gonna put out into the world to really figure out what works. Mm-hmm. So if you go into this game, the social media game, of thinking that you know exactly what type of content is gonna work and exactly who you're going to reach, you're gonna have a pretty hard time. Yeah. So if you just throw a whole bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks, that's not a very efficient way to do it. I don't know, there might be a more efficient way to do it, and if there is, let me know, because yeah. I'd love to know. But I haven't found one yet. Um, so usually what works is putting out tons of content, see what resonates with people, do more of that, what resonates with people, and keep testing out new ideas. And that has worked really well for me and for my clients. That's what I recommend. Um, another tip, let me think. Um, authenticity and transparency really cut through the noise on social media. So trying to act like you have all your stuff together, mm-hmm. showing off your perfect world, which doesn't exist. Nobody has a perfect no world. Has Everybody perfect has world. problems. Yeah. The social media celebrities fool you. Oh, yeah. Um, people, especially because the vast majority of social media now is so fake, when you're actually real with people, it really cuts through the noise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like when everybody's zigging, you zag, you know? So if everybody's being fake and not transparent, you do the opposite and that's really gonna work. Um, And then, so that'd be another tip. I don't know how many tips I've gone through yet, but we'll just keep going. Yeah, well, Um, uh, you know, being authentic, being real, uh, posting as much content as you can and figigring mm -hmm. out what sticks. And then 
another tip I would say is a lot of people will get caught in the trap of trying to think of ideas and create things. Um, a more sustainable way to go about it is just to document what's going on. Okay. So for instance, like if you were here, you might, we're documenting, right? We're having a genuine conversation. It's not scripted. Right. We're just documenting with microphones and you might be able to record this with video, do quite a few social media posts, do an article, do a blog. Like yeah. you can get, uh, using all the parts of the Buffalo. I picked that phrase up from Doug. Yeah. You see from Jerky. <laughs> uh, it's kind of stuck. Yeah. But documenting versus creating, I think Gary Vee was the first guy to really make this popular, but mm -hmm. I found it to be very, very true. Yeah. And if you're sitting around thinking up like, hmm, like what am I going to post today? I had to go try and create something. Right. You might be able to do that. Like if you're the creative type, maybe. Yeah. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of mental energy. So like I mentioned before, it takes a ton of content to do well. And if you're trying to create every single one of those ideas, yeah. you're just going to get stuck. Right. So just document everything. Um, and it's more authentic. So, yeah, so you're hitting both of those. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I think those are, you get those things right. Um, I would say my last tip would be, this comes from Tim Ferriss, I believe. Um, it might come from another book. I don't know. They talk about if you can get a thousand true diehard fans, just a thousand, that's yeah. it. You don't need 10,000, 100,000. It's a thousand diehard fans for your brand, whether it's your personal brand or your business right. brand. Um, you're going to do all right because those thousand people, if they're really diehard, whatever product you put out, whatever podcast you put out, they're going to listen to it. They're going to buy it. They absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, you're going to do okay. And you just focus on those thousand people. Right. Um, it kind of comes down to, I'm sure you're familiar with the 80-20 rule, mm -hmm. right? So usually... You know, 80% of your problems, like the problematic customers, the 80% yeah. uh, of those problems, um, it's, it's, it's better to focus on the 20% of those customers, or those listeners, that audience that are those diehard fans. Right. And it's tuning out the noise of the rest of those people, the problematic people. Yeah. Because that's where all the problems are at. That's what sucks up all your time and all your energy mm -hmm. is focus on those people that are are jamming with you yeah yeah and, and another way with that is like 20 percent of your i guess in 20 percent of your clients generate 80 percent of your income yeah in that the same yeah. way the same kind of rule yep, too same rule um and you can get rid of those 80 people 80 80 percent they're just being clowns and yep. taking up too much of your time because yep. they're not making you any money exactly um, well this that's really cool that's really you know valuable uh top tips for for everyone listening i'm sure that you know they put those into practice and one of my when you mentioned gary v one of the things that came to mind is his like dollar 80 strategy mm -hmm. for like instagram of like dropping like your two cents like 90 times a day oh yeah, yeah, yeah. on instagram yeah. and like yeah. just and not just like by dropping a thumbs up but actually like replying and dropping comments yeah. and like engaging and that's one that's one thing that helped me initially start uh the this is oklahoma page and grow that so that was one thing that i've kind of you know tried to do more because mm -hmm. uh, i know it works but um yeah i think i mean this has been awesome mate this is uh you know get to know you a little bit better and get to share your story and you know from building a page when you're in high school you know to, to over a hundred thousand and then 
having a PayPal account shut down <laughs> and, you know, selling those pages and, and going to OSU and, and just for the experience and, you know, dropping out, and, but with a plan and, and just executing that plan. You know, you, you strike me as someone that's just, like I said, you've got your mindset uh, and it's just, I'm sure for you it's quite hard sometimes to figure out how to be patient. Yes, but um, but it's something like you know you you got loads of time left, um, and I, I don't doubt that you're going to be you know more successful and change the world, and you know one day work towards being the next Elon Musk, which would be phenomenal. Coming from Oklahoma City, right? I'll give you a ticket to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll take a i'll take a i don't know a 10 acre lot on mars yeah yeah you got it awesome well um yeah guys listening you can follow ethan at ethan blag on instagram at bracker on instagram b-r-e-k-e-r and then online at ethanblag.com um anything else to close with to the stars we go to the stars we go to infinity and beyond the new toy story love it thanks for listening guys catch you next week cheers Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram. podcast was produced by Mike Hearn and Ian Weston, mixed by Alan Brown, with music by Chad Duro.